I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's the last part of verse 20 in Matthew 28, there where he gave the great commission. He said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So we have that assurance this morning that God is with us, regardless of where we're at. And that's a precious truth to take with with us as we think of developing God awareness. Wherever my walk with God will take me, God has promised that he will be with us. So God is God knows where I'm at this morning. God knows where you're at this morning in your walk with him. But turning to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. And that's not the verse that I wanted. Hebrews 12, I believe. Wrong book. See if I'm right on that one. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I'm pretty positive it's right. Yes, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about, we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. See, what, what happens in our walk with the Lord is we, we start collecting baggage if we're not careful. We have weights, we have sins, we have cares, we have burdens. And unless we give that over to the Lord, we start dragging all this stuff along and, and it wears us down. And it, 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 it detracts and takes away from our awareness of who God is and what he wants us to do in this world. We need to remember that even though God is everywhere present and he knows where we're at with uh, are in our walk with him, but again, the responsibility is that I'm on that same level as what he is, as what God is. I need to get rid of those weights and sins that will beset us and will detract from my God awareness of my walk with him. There are times in our relationships we become neglectful and God in his presence and work in our lives, and that's a sad place for a child of God to be. We become neglectful of his presence and work in our lives. We need to daily, I believe, stay current with our relationship with. And I ask myself, how can we prevent this? How can we prevent um, that relationship to deteriorate to that level, that we become unaware of his presence in my life? And the first thing I think, thought about was the aspect of talking to him, praying to him, silently, vocally. Uh, do you know God's telephone number? Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I like that telephone number of God's. He promises that he will show us the great and mighty things which we don't know. How much... I ask myself this question, how much have I missed in life because I simply didn't ask God who knew all things. I didn't ask God, so those things went un, unobserved by me. And as I think about God who knows all things and how little I know in comparison to him, how much I need that relationship with him, 
how much I need to seek God so that I can know the things that I need to know. I'll never know this side of eternity what God knows. My finite mind couldn't comprehend that or couldn't handle that. But God has promised to give us all those things that pertain unto life and God in us. And you can take that promise with you this morning. Everything that you need to know for life and godliness, God will reveal that or make that available to you. I think I need to ask God daily to show me the things that I need to see to make me a better follower of him. What are there, what are the things in my life that are, that are slowing me down in my walk with him? What are the things in my life that are, that are taking me off to the ditch on the right or to the left? I need to ask God daily to tell me what the things are that I need to know to choose, make the, make the right choices in life and to choose the path that he wants me to walk in. So number one thing as we think of seeking God, I think we need to talk to him. We need to pray to him. We need to communicate with him. God, I believe, will reveal himself to us as we ask questions. As we pray to him, God will reveal himself to us so that we can see who he is. The second thing is, in going back to Hebrews chapter 4, is, is the fact that God has given us his written word. He has written us a letter. He has left us liter, this uh, literary piece here for us to, to uh, absorb and read and reread and read again and meditate on, discuss in Sunday school classes and discuss Wednesday evening. Uh, God has given us this word so that we can understand about him. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us this. I thought this verse was interesting. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of the sunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the mire, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, that's a very familiar verse. Many of us know it by memory. But I, that verse took on a little different meaning as I thought about Christy with her cancer. You know, it says, it uses the idea of, is it, is it a discerner dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow? Uh, so God's word is very concise. I'm not sure why the, why the, I tried to look at some of the original Greek in that and why, why that word was used. I did not come up with any real good conclusions there. But three words, that word of quick, it means alive and active. God's word is alive and active. This word can accomplish. God has promised that his word will accomplish that which he, that was his, he intended and purposed it to do. It's powerful. It can break down barriers that nothing else can. God's word can do that. Uh, and again, let's never minimize the power of God's word and its effect on the lives of men. And that coupled with the Holy Spirit and, and working in the lives and consciences of, of people. It's sharper. It's, preci it's, it's precision uh, at its highest level, dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and the mire, thoughts and intents. And I, you know, I can't, I can't even comprehend that. The dividing of the soul and the spirit. Uh, the joints and the matter and the thoughts and the intents. God's word can help us to understand that precision of differentiating between those levels. Going to 2 Timothy chapter 3.16, familiar verse. This goes back to Brother Paul Shirk again. I, I'm bringing it in here because I think God's word is 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 so important. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And this is Paul's interpretation of that. He said doctrine is what is right. Okay, so we want to know what is right. It's it's a doctrine there. Reproof is what is what night, what is not right. So, okay, we know what's off limits. Correction is then how to get it right, how to get it right. And then instruction is how to keep it right. And I like that concise definition of that, that verse. And I've thought about it so many times as I think about God's word and how powerful and, and how it impacts our lives in that way. It, it needs to tell us. It, it'll tell us what is right, tell us what is not right, how to get it right, and then how to keep it right. And that's, that's, that's in a nutshell really what we want to do as Christians. We want to follow the Lord to that level of degree, that level of obedience, that level of commitment. So we looked at finding God through communication, talking to him through his word. The third thing I thought about is is in his house, in his house today at on his day in his house. And uh, Psalms 27 verse 4, the psalmist says that. I'd like to read the, that verse, Psalm 27 verse 4. Again, it's a familiar truth from the psalmist. Um, One thing have I desired of the Lord that I, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. A lot of precious truths there that we can find as we think of inquiring in God's house, certainly a safe place to inquire, fellowship with those of, of fellow believers that, that share our, uh, Love for the Lord, share our commitment to Him, and uh, meet God here. And uh, I trust you have uh, have indeed found God home today here. Uh, I had to think as I thought about finding God, and I thought, you know, how often does God reveal Himself to me through one of you? How often does God reveal Himself to me through one of you? Or to each other at times, as we share. Uh, even in the hymn that uh, song that Davy led, I thought that is a powerful hymn. We are family, God our Father, and we are His children. God has a place for you today at Prairie, and uh, I believe you're contributing to. Uh, are you filling? And I question. I ask you: Are you fulfilling the role that God has called you today as a member of of this body of believers? Um. I wanted to go back to Hebrews chapter 10 again. As I'm thinking about uh, Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. As I thought about consider Greek, uh, vines in the Greek, uh, dictionary says the word consider has the idea of beholding and discovering and perceiving. You know, having a mental comprehension of, of considering one another. Provoking is not a typical word that we would use in a positive way, but in the Greek, vine says it means to stimulate. So, uh, we need to provoke one another. We need to stimulate one another. And that's what Sunday school does. And I hope as we look at God's word today, this morning in the message, that it's stimulating you to a walk with, a closer walk with the Lord 
and, and seeking who God is and what he wants from your life. The idea of exhort means to admonish, urge, especially looking into the future and in retrospect to the trials and the difficulties that we have encountered in our, in our past walk with the Lord. But it's giving us a longing for that which is, is, is down the road. And uh, certainly that's what life does for us as we continue living for him. It gives us a longing for home. And that brings me to the second part of my message, why do I seek him? And uh, Hebrews, I'm right here in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I need, I need the presence of the Lord in my walk, in my journey through life. I need that. I cannot afford to be without it. You as a follower of Christ cannot afford to be without his uh, influence in your life, the knowing and the understanding. Going back again to the uh, psalmist, has a lot of poetic uh, truths about a relationship with the Lord. And, and in Psalm 69, two verses there, I wanted to uh, lift out. Psalm 69, verses 30 and 32. I will praise the name of the Lord. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad and your heart shall live that seek God. Your heart shall live that seek God. The psalmist here is telling us that, uh, I thought it was an interesting verse 31, oxen and bullock that have horns and hooves. You know, those are gods, but he really is is pleased when when people that were created in his image seek after him. You and I this morning that were created in his image, that we seek after him. And it says, our heart shall live. It's a level of living that I believe we cannot afford to be without. Our heart is alive to dimension, spiritual dimension, that cannot be, we cannot afford to miss. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19, close by there, I'll just flip back to that. Isaiah 8, verse uh, 19. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? That was Isaiah there, and I have underlined that that phrase there, should not a people seek unto their God. You know, isn't it a, isn't it a logical conclusion that we would seek uh, God, our God, our Creator? Isn't it logical? Should not a people seek unto their God? That's what Isaiah is raising the question. It's logical, and we need to seek a God who is alive, not you think of the idols of men that they have set up and the dead idols that they worshiped. It was, it was empty. It was void. It was, it was, there was a dead end street there. But Isaiah is challenging us to seek the God who is alive as we live too as well. Jesus asked Mary at the tomb in John 20 verse 15. Um, he said, whom seekest thou? There was Mary coming to the tomb, the tomb uh, a symbol of death. And I can understand, I can sympathize with Mary why she went there, because that's where she had last saw the, them lay his body, his broken, 
body laid in that tomb. And that's where she came. But Jesus was not there. And Jesus asked that question, whom seekest thou? And then he went on to identify himself to her. And, uh, you know, as I thought about that, if you want life, we need to seek the one who is life indeed. If we want life this morning, we need to seek the one who is life. And Christ revealed himself to Mary as the source of life. And she rejoiced in that. Now, the third part of my message is that of the expectations. What, what, what are our expectations when we seek Christ? And uh, turning to 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13, verses 12 and 13. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. We have, as, as my expectations can be, as I walk with the Lord and as I seek God, it's a, it's an expectation, it's a relationship that will transcend time. Think about that for just a little bit. Our walk with the Lord, our relationship with Him, our seeking Him is something that is going to transcend time. Time for me in this world will someday end. Time for each one of us will someday end here in this life. But that relationship is going to transcend into eternity with Him. That's, that's what's so important about seeking the Lord while He may be found. As I thought about, it talks about, uh, Seeing through a glass darkly, there's so much that we don't understand this side of eternity. There's so much we that is, is veiled for us that we don't fully understand. And that's okay. I don't think we can totally understand all that's going to take place other side of uh, time. Some of the things I thought about was, uh, you know, what will we discuss with Christ when we come face to face with him? Will it be a thank you for what he has done for me this side of eternity? Um, the NIV uh, brought out the idea of looking through a glass darkly. It says it's a poor reflection in a mirror. And it says it was probably maybe a bronze reflection, not even a mirror as we would know it today, but it was, it's a poor reflection. And I like that description because I, I think anything that we can even almost feel like we can comprehend is, is going to be so much greater. And... Uh, he goes on and in verse 13, he says, I believe love is still the governing principle in all of our relationship. Our love and adoration with God as we meet him face to face is still going to be what we've cultivated here in this life. How much do I love the Lord in my seeking for him? You know, my level of seeking is an indication of how much I love him. And that that's, I think, what verse 13 is talking about, that that love relationship is, is going to be the, the the governing factor in our walk with him and our ability to seek him. You know, Richard was talking Wednesday evening about heaven, and I didn't say it, but I thought it, and I'll say it now. I think the, I'm not exactly sure what all was being discussed, but something was said to the fact that, you know, uh, the, the idea of anticipation for heaven, and, uh, you know, we all would say we'd anticipate heaven, but, you know, I, as I get older, I, I think probably the, the aging process on the physical body has a, has a, has a preparing effect for us on eternity. On, being ready for heaven. I, I think that's the way God planned it. <laughs> you know, if we were 
at least as I reflect back when I was younger, I, I, you know, it's, it's, you're young and vibrant and you think of all the things you want to do. And finally you get over the hill and you're, you've enjoyed probably the best that life has to offer. And, uh, you know, it goes beyond that. It goes into eternity. And there's, then that's when it takes over. There's something far better than this life to look forward to. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but that's the way I, that's the way I encounter it, I think. Uh, the aging process of our physical bodies has a, uh, an effect of preparing us to leave this world. There is something that is beyond that is not just better, but the best. Do you feel that way this morning? My challenge this morning that I want to leave with you that we would continue to develop God consciousness in our seeking of Him. And uh, with Brother Aaron, I trust this idea of seeking God will be something that we will focus on on a daily basis, and it's one day at a time. Uh, we need to cultivate that that desire to to know God and to seek Him and to allow Him to impact our lives. Uh, and you think of the many ways that God does speak to us and uh, and work in our lives in a in a daily basis that we many times just take for granted and overlook. At least that's my uh, tendency many times, but. Uh, to develop God consciousness is going to uh, prepare us for eternity. Lord bless you. Let's kneel for prayer.